It's the Thanksgiving season, and we've been talking about all the things we have to be thankful for and how God uh, is um, manifested in our thanksgiving. That's where uh, when we talk about praising the Lord, that usually comes out of a, a heart of thanksgiving. And we are thankful for what he's done for us. We're thankful for uh, the people that he's put in our lives, at least most of them. And uh, we're thankful for what he's going to be doing in our lives. This morning, I'm going to take a little bit of a risk uh, because the Bible is, is not, it's not a book. It's a, it's a collection of letters, of narratives, of all sorts of uh, d- uh, different things that what we call have been canonized. In other words, we accept them as the word of God, okay, and uh, that inspired the writers to write what they wrote. But when you approach the Bible, you have to look at it in terms of different genres, okay? So you read some of, one genre in the Bible is poetry. It's, there's, they're, they're poems, they're works of art. And so when the Bible says, uh, the earth is the Lord's footstool, it's not to be read literally that God is sitting on Mars and has his feet rested on earth, okay? It's, it's, it's poetry, right? Uh, there's another genre, wisdom literature. And so uh, Proverbs is just basically a series of tweets from God, okay, on, on, on just sayings that, uh, that, are, that are wise, okay. Um, and then there's, um, there's prophets, that's another genre. There's narrative that are just describing things, and, and th- those are necessary, those are descriptive and not to be taken as prescriptive. And then there's apocalyptic literature. And apocalyptic literature talks about apocalyptic stuff, right, like dragons and stuff hitting the earth and blood and it's pretty cool um, but but uh, there's not too much in apocalyptic literature that you would go and take into your workplace and go oh man uh, we're gonna apply that well it's Thanksgiving week and I'm taking a risk by preaching out of apocalyptic literature for Thanksgiving Right? Because what could be more fitting than uh, apocalyptic literature uh, for Thanksgiving? But, but there's a, it's in the book of Revelation. Don't say revelations. It's just one revelation. Just like we're living spring. Not living springs. One spring. Jesus, one spring. Okay? So living spring. Um, and so it's re- we're out of Revelation. And there's a section in Revelation... Uh, it, was, it was written by uh, the Apostle John, and he, he was sent to an island. Um, instead of being beheaded, he was sent to an island, and that's kind of where he was. And he had this vision. Um, and so he wrote down everything in this vision. And the, the beginning part of it is, is these letters that Jesus is telling John to write to these different churches. Uh, okay, so are, are you with me? And so what we're going to look at is one of the things that Jesus tells John to write to this church called Laodicea. The reason the the letters to the churches are so important is because they cover seven types of ways we can get off track. Um, uh, if you read the, if you read the seven letters to the churches from a westernized point of view, you will see a lot of different places where our culture matches right up with those letters and not necessarily in a good way. Okay. And so, so typically one of the letters have a little bit of encouragement, um, in, in the, in the beginning and then, um, and then some things he says, but this I have against you. This is what you need to work on. You're doing great in this area. You need to work 
on this area a little bit more. In this particular letter, he just starts right off with the bad, okay? But what we're going to see, and I, I, this will all wrap up for Thanksgiving, trust me, or trust me that I really want it to, okay? I don't know if it actually will, but that's my intent, uh, is that we will uh, look at kind of where we could be going wrong. And then as we head into the holidays, as we all head into the parties that we go to for Thanksgiving, as we all head into, we begin to step into a stressful season. I know for some of you, it's not stressful. I know for some of you, this is the most glorious time. Cece danced up here, so she loves it. Okay. But for, for, for some of us, um, this we can have a tendency, whether through the whole season or just at different times, to lose track of our thankfulness, okay? So, here we go. Uh, I'm going to do my best, um, but it says this, Revelation 3.14, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this. Here we go. These are the words of the amen. First of all, I wasn't going to include this uh, verse. I was going to start a little later, but uh, I just really love this term for Jesus. These are the words of the amen. So be it. Okay. So I just thought that was a cool name for Jesus. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. He says this, I know your deeds. <laughs> so, so, uh, this is just something that, you know, if Jesus or God or whatever starts off a letter with, I know your deeds. It's like, I know what you did last summer. And like, you know. Like, uh, it's like, if, like when somebody says to you, um, can I talk to you for a second? And your first thing is like, uh-oh, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, you know, like guilty. He says, I, I know your deeds. I know what you've been thinking. I know what you've been doing. I've been watching you. This is what he says to him. That you are neither hot or cold. I wish you were either one. I wish you were one or the other. You're not on fire for God. You're not rejecting God. You're not uh, in it for the long haul. You're, not in it. you're just kind of cruising. This is what he's saying. So as, as we begin to head into these holiday season, what I'm hoping by the time we get done with this scripture is that we won't just cruise through this time and just have it be about the season. That we would be on fire, that we would be hot or cold or whatever, but we would, Jesus would be at the forefront of our thanksgiving. We'd be thankful for what he's done in our lives. We'd be thankful for the people he's done in our lives. As, as we ha- have parties that are fun, we thank him for that. As we have parties that are stressful, we thank him that he has given us his power, the power of his Holy Spirit to get through those hard times. But he's saying, man, you're, you're, nothing, you're not doing one thing or the other. You're just cruising. Like, think about it in any other relationship. You know, I I know a lot of couples, and some of them are deeply in love, and and some of them are, are, are going through a struggle. Okay, so it's difficulty or, like, really in love. The couples I feel the most sorry for are the ones that just are indifferent to each other. It's just, they come home, they eat dinner, they go to bed, and it's just kind of just indifferent. You, you say this about your own relationships. You don't want any relationships where somebody's just indifferent. And that's what Jesus is saying. So here's what he says. Uh, he says, I wish you were one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot or cold, 
I'm about to spit you out of my mouth, <laughs> which is bizarre language. But if you think about it, it, it kind of fits. I don't know if you've ever been to a fancy party, uh, but you go to a fancy party, you're all dressed up, and you know, everybody's walking around and stuff, and they have the people with the, like, the hors d'oeuvre things. And uh, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'll, I'll follow them around and try to like get in front of them. And then when they come by me, I'm, I like act surprised. Like, oh, oh, why? Maybe, maybe I, I, I will try one of those, uh, you know, little weenies in a croissant. Like, oh, th- th- why, thank you. I wasn't even thinking about that. Then you're just like, Okay, there. And then there's always the one person that has the, the tray that has the real good stuff on it. Like maybe like a cracker with like some caviar. And there's never anything on it. And so you follow them to the back. And then you just wait by the door until they come back out. And oh, oh, why? Yes. I'm, why don't I try that? So, there, there's, so maybe you're not like me. Maybe you're like, time to find another church. Okay. Okay. Uh, but then there's the one, that, the, the hors d'oeuvre that looks awesome. Like it's just like in a real like flaky, crusty thing. And you're like, ooh, I'm going to get me some of that. And so you get it and you bite into it. And you realize it's like a veggie paste or something. <laughs> and you're just like, you're just like, mmm. And you just, you're trying to muscle it down, but you just can't. And so fortunately you have the napkin. And you're just like, oh. You know, right? Okay. This is what Jesus is saying, okay? <laughs> that's what it feels like when he sees a Christian that's lukewarm. It's like, mm, ah, it's not right. It doesn't fit, right? Like, like, shouldn't, if you have a vibrant relationship with Jesus, shouldn't you be able to get through the difficulties of Christmas? Shouldn't your perspective be on Jesus the whole time? Jesus says, this is, this is, uh, it, it, it doesn't fit. And then he goes into why this could happen to you or to I. He, he, he dips right into what's probably going on in your mind. It's, it, it really comes down to a lack of self-awareness. You, 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 you might see your life as a sum of your circumstances is about what, what he's about ready to say. And so he says this, you say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But you don't realize, and you could insert, you say that I am rich, you could say, you could say that I'm popular, you could say that, oh, I, I have lots of friends, I don't really need anything else, I've got, I've got money, I've I got my needs taken care of, I don't, I don't really need this vibrant relationship with the Lord. And then he says, but you don't realize that you are, and again, this is going to be hard for some people who maybe your parents have told you your whole life that you're wonderful and that you could be anything. Uh, And then all of a sudden Jesus comes along and, and ruins it for you. But this is the language that he uses. He says, but you don't realize that you're wretched. (laughs) Have a nice Thanksgiving. Uh, as the worship band comes back up, we'll uh, ra- 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 wrap it up. You don't realize you're wretched. You don't realize that, in fact, no matter, and this is so, if, if you flip it on its head, it's so freeing. You don't realize that it, you will never arrive. 
You'll never get enough money where you'll be satisfied. You'll never have enough relationships where you'll be satisfied. You're always going to need Jesus. Now, does he love you? Of course he does. He died for you. So it's not that you're wretched, that meaning you have no value. It's just this is the state that you're in without Christ. This is what happens when you're lukewarm. This is what happens when you've relied on your circumstances and your success and this or that. Or you're, you're shooting for a goal that's not to be like Christ. You're shooting for a goal that, thinks you're, that makes you believe you're going to arrive. That is a, just a wretched way to live. But then... For some reason, he's like, I don't know if wretched got my point across, which I think he really could have stopped there. But now he's just piling on because he calls us pitiful. <laughs> so you're wretched and pitiful. All right. Now your Thanksgiving napkins at the table, you know, they have a little turkey and a, and a cornucopia thing. And like one would say wretched. And now you sit over there and pitiful. This is your, this your, he says, you're poor. You're poor. He says, um, you're blind. Um, and then he goes to this really, we, in our culture, it's not as shameful to us because we have parades and beaches for this type of thing. But in this particular culture, uh, to be naked was extremely shameful. In other words, when Jesus was stripped to go onto the cross, um, uh, that it was not only the beatings it was this it was just very humiliating and shameful and what 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 Jesus is trying to do here in this letter to Laodicea is go listen you got to come from a a standpoint of humility you got to realize no matter how your life is going no matter how much stuff you have or relationships you have or money you have um that you need Jesus <laughs> You need Jesus in your life. He says, this is, this is how you are. And we're, we're all, all this way. Now, here's the great news. Okay, so Jesus is not saying um, you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked uh, as a thing of value like you're worthless. What he's saying is, this is the outlook you should come. This is the self-awareness you should have that, man, if I didn't have Jesus, I don't know where I'd be. And so then he flips it, like I told you, this letter it, it, it goes the opposite. He starts with the bad part. And then he gets to the good part. And here's the good part. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. So what he's saying is, there's another way to be satisfied. There's another way to be fulfilled. There's another way to arrive, if you will. And Jesus has the answer to that. And he uses this term uh, gold, which obviously is valuable. But this is not just gold. This is gold refined in the fire. This is uh, the, all throughout scripture. There's this process of, of sanctifi- sanctification where, where we might go through trials. We might go through difficulty. And what that does is it, it separates the impurities and it gets to the top. And the person who's refining that gold would just scoop off. It's called dross. They just scoop out that dross. And Jesus is saying this. Look, look, look. If you're trying to find meaning and purpose outside of a relationship with me, that's, that's wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. But if you begin to look at your life and look at your circumstances and look uh, where you're going and where you're heading in light 
of who I am and what I could do, that's gold that's refined in the fire. Super, super valuable. He goes on, he says, so you can become rich. And he, what he does is he, he takes all those uh, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, and he takes them and he addresses each one of them. You can be rich and white clothes to wear to cover your shameful nakedness and salve on your eyes so you can see. And this is the place God wants us to be as we enter into the holidays. That we would be people that, for some of us, Christmas, we don't have that much money. And so we feel bad about having our kids. We'd like to get them more. We'd like to provide more. And Jesus is saying, during this season of difficulty for you who's struggling, I want this to be a refining time for you. So that you have something more important than that situation. And I want to I be able to get you to a place where that, those impurities are scooped off. To where you can enjoy Christmas to, irregardless of, of what you have. For those of you who Christmas is just a time of, of uh, deep mourning. Because you've lost somebody that's dear to you. That would normally be at that table. And now they're not there. Jesus wants to turn that around and say, okay, we're going to go through this, this, this fire. We're going to go through this difficulty. We're not going to just be able to toss it aside or try to put on a happy face. We're going to refine you in the fire. and We're going to take that mourning. We're going to take that difficulty. We're going to take that grieving and we're going to scoop it away. For those of you who, uh, it's a time of getting together with family. And while for some of us, that sounds awesome. And we're like, I can't wait. I can't wait for the kids to come home. I can't. For some of us, we come from families with deep dysfunction. And it might be that there's a certain family member that wounded you very badly. And every time you see them and every time you, you hear their voice, it just brings up all these memories. And Jesus is saying, listen, listen, listen. Just come to me. And I, I, we're going to go through this refining process together. And as we deal with it, and as you deal with that, as those impurities come up, we're just going to take them, we're going to scoop them away. It's a, it's a hard process. Don't get me wrong. But at the end, you're going to be like gold refined in the fire. And he has this really, you know, he kind of talks uh, like a father. And he says, uh, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. And, you know, you know it's, you don't really think of it that way, right? I mean, nobody likes to be rebuked. But uh, for those families that uh, are healthy, uh, as you raise those children, if you really love those children, you're going to discipline them. You're going to rebuke them. You're going to, to kind of get them back on the right path. And the Lord's no different. And so he says, be earnest and repent. In other words, repent just means to change your mind. It just, it's basically, that's where we get the renewing of your mind. Repent. Think about things differently. What are you going to do during the holidays? What, how are you going to view them? How are you going to press into them and go, okay, there's going to be some stressful times. There's going to be some difficulty. There's going to be some things. But I'm going to view this as a refining process. That my heavenly father loves me enough to discipline me, to have me go through this. And as I enter into those situations and the impurities come up, he takes them and he scoops them away. And he says, that's, that's, that's white hot faith right there. Hot or cold, but that's white hot faith. And so then he, then he has this great 
thing. So as you've noticed, we started with uh, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And now we're going into this thing of like, wow, there's so much hope and so much potential. And so he says this, here I am, <laughs> which is just like, well, uh, yeah, you're Jesus. But, but think about it. Think about it as you enter into the situations you're going to be entering into. As you're decorating your house. He's there. He's there. As you enter into difficult situations at work. Maybe there's a Christmas party and everything goes upside down or whatever. And you're like, oh man. If, you know, if she shows up at the Christmas party, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he's like, I'm, I'm at the Christmas party. Right? Here I am. I'm here. He's here. He's in this place. When you get in your car, he's there. When you go to work, he's there. When you're at home, he's there. He's here, is what he's saying. Which I, I think is relatively clear, but I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page. <laughs> and then, then he says this. I stand at the door and knock. Now, for those of you who have been Christians for a long time, you have probably used the next few verses I'm going to uh, talk about as verses of salvation. Okay, like, if, if, you know, that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart and you have to open up and let him in and then you're saved. The problem is he's talking to a church. He's talking to already saved people. It's the church at Laodicea. So we have to read this in the context in which it was written. Now, for those who haven't made a decision to accept Christ, in fact, he is knocking on the door of your heart and he does want to come in and he does want you to hand your life over to him and live for him and become like him. It's, that's, his, that's his follow me uh, command. But in this particular scripture, he's talking to Christians. So for those of you who aren't Christians who are here, uh, you get to be let off the hook for a little while, okay? But for those of you who are, this applies to you and to me. He says, I stand at the door and knock. Now, nowadays, I don't know, I have a doorbell now. And um, when my doorbell rings, a few things happen. Uh, first of all, it's never, the only time it's good is if I'm expecting a package, Right? Like if there's something from Amazon is coming. And, um, and I was listening to a guy this week, and uh, I'll bring it up again next week. But um, he says, you know, you, know how, you know when you're rich beyond your wildest dreams? Is that a package from Amazon shows up with your name on it that you bought and you forgot what was inside. <laughs> right? Has that ever happened to you? Or it's like, wow, man, I ordered something? Like, yeah, two days ago. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Great. I needed those pens. Apparently I didn't because I forgot I ordered them. But uh, he says, so I stand at the door and knock. Other knocks are usually never good for me. Like I'm usually not, it's, it's usually somebody who's trying to sell me something, right? It usually means I have to get up and that's the first bad thing. The second thing is my dog goes nuts. I mean, my dog thinks the doorbell is an invasion, an alien invasion. And, and it just like, like you guys just yelling at the top of his lungs. Hey, 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 hey. Like he just goes crazy. And so that's loud. And then it's usually someone who's selling something or I have to vote a certain way or uh, whatever. I have a rule that if somebody comes and they're like, vote for congressman so-and-so, I just tell them she just lost my vote because she made me get up. Okay, so I don't like Congress people that make me get up, right? And so it's not, it's not that great. But when it's Jesus knocking on the door, it's different. The other thing that I don't like, just to get the doorbell stuff off my mind, um, even when you have company that you invited over, when they show up like 25 minutes early, 
And you're just like shoving things into drawers to try to get everything picked up because you thought you had 25 minutes and now you don't. And you didn't monetize your time very well. Like sometimes I don't. And so you're sweeping and you're like trying to get it all under the couch and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) This is oftentimes what happens when Jesus knocks on the door. We're like, what's he, what's he trying to sell me? What's he trying to make me do? What, what is he, how is he trying to get to me? And here's what he says. He goes on and he says, uh, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. So we have two things. We hear his voice and then we allow him inside. Maybe sometimes you're like me where you don't want to let Jesus in because your house isn't really in order. <laughs> And you're like, I'll tell you what, Jesus, you just sit outside and make yourself comfortable. I have to uh, clean up some stuff. Dear Lord, forgive me for all the things I did. I go, you know, yeah, you go to, to kind of get your, get your house in, in order. Listen to what he says. This is so sweet. I will come in and I'll eat with that person and they with me. Now for us, we think in terms of eating, uh, you know, you swing by the Carl's Jr. and you get your order and you're in your car and you're driving around and, you, you know, you eat while you drive and we eat while we do anything. This, this, is, this was not their community, okay? This was not their culture. When you sat down to eat, this was relationship. This was engagement. As a matter of fact, strangers could come and knock on the door and if you let them in, you would offer them something to eat. Jesus is saying this. During the holidays, actually during your whole life, there are going to be times when you're going to be sitting there and you're going to hear him go. Maybe it's an attitude check. Maybe you have an uncle and your uncle's inappropriate and you, it just boils your blood or you've got an, uh, a uh, relative that God forbid they're on the other side of the political aisle and they're boisterous about it and, and they begin to talk and you're like, oh, and all of a sudden, hey, it's Jesus. Can we just talk for a second? How are you going to handle that? Yeah, I saw you getting upset. I just thought I'd stop. swing by. I was in the neighborhood. <laughs> Wanted to see. Maybe you're, you're shopping and you're looking for the right thing and everything's too expensive and you're beginning to think of your finances and you're getting so stressed out and you're like, man, I just, I wish, I wish. And hey, it's Jesus. Saw you're getting stressed out. It's in the neighborhood. Can we talk about that? You're going to go through some refining. Just thought we'd just talk about it. Get those impurities up and just let's get them out of the way. He wants you to change your attitude. He says this, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Now, again, this sounds like salvation language. Like, oh, when we die, uh, we'll get to heaven and we'll be like, Hey, Jesus, uh, move over. I'd like to sit on the throne. That's not what it is. This is kingdom language. Because look what he says. Just as I was victorious... And sat with my father on his throne. See, Jesus got all this. Jesus wasn't stressed during the holidays. <laughs> Jesus wasn't freaked out when they, the, he and the disciples had no food. He wasn't freaking out when it didn't look like everything was taken care of. He just had the presence of his heavenly father with him everywhere he went. That's the gift he has for you. He goes on, he says this, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. What the Spirit says 
to the churches. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what he has to say in your life. You know your areas coming up. You know your stress points. You know your triggers. You know the people that you're going to have to be with. You know how the holidays affect you. My hope is that we listen and we hear his voice and we open the door and we go, okay, I'm going to set some time aside and listen to your voice. 